We'll turn to John chapter 10, or you can uh, just read it off the screen because we're not going to be there very long. But John 10, 10 is the foundation verse that I've been using. Uh, this will be, be part five, and, and really, um, I generally don't try to teach something on or don't intend to teach series that, that are this long, but this just keeps building and growing, and I'm going to try to finish this up today. But talking about true godly wealth, and this is the first or the fifth uh, time I've taught on this. There was one break in there, but if you haven't been here for these teachings, you can go back on our Facebook page or, or the website and find these uh, uh they're they're available so that you can uh, touch these different things. I'm going to review just a little bit, but I want to get into really that teaching today. I, I love the way that God always fits the service together. Uh, the first song that we sang after Dakota shared, I thought, boy, you talk about just right on the money, uh, trust and obey, and all, all the different ways that how that tied in as well. But uh, do, John John chapter 10 verse 10, you know, it says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Now, the King James calls it, says abundantly. The, the, uh, the uh, Amplified Translation says, to the full till it overflows, talking about the life that God has for us. Well, the definition of that word life in the Greek, that word life means is zoe, and it, it means the God kind of life or the, the blessed life that God intends for us. And you know, I, I don't know about you, but... You know, I've lived without God, or at least without Him in the forefront of, of my life and, and not following Him. And, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place uh, that has difficulties. Now, we all know that being a Christian and giving your life to God doesn't eliminate challenges and problems in your life. You're still going to have problems in your life, but there's an entirely different way that you approach everything. You, you see, instead of seeing things as a problem, uh, you, you begin to see things as an opportunity and a possibility. Uh, that's the difference in true godly wealth and everything else. Now, when we're talking about true godly wealth, I want to, uh, first of all, identify the fact that we haven't really talked about money because wealth is not money. Uh, it can include money. It can be a part of money. But there's there you you can be you can have uh, ten million dollars in the bank and still not be wealthy. Just ask about half, or maybe well, half's probably a little low. But ask a lot of people who are have have gained a lot of money. Man, I, I tell you what, my my brother lives in L.A. and uh, he is out there and he is is connected with and knows a, bu a bunch of people who are extremely wealthy. We had an opportunity to meet one man that, you know, he builds these 16 and 20 and 25 million dollar homes. Now, why in the world do you need a 15, 16,000 square foot house? I do not know. Uh, I, you know, I mean, that just, just beyond my, our mindset, most of us, of, of what that would be good for. But, you know, I, whenever when we, I was in school at OSU and, and uh, um, as an adult student, married and had a kid, and when God, uh, one of the ways that God supplied our needs is I had a security alarm business. And, um, and so we were, I was, I had about, still had about 35 cows. I'd sold a bunch of cows, but I had, still had a few cows. 
And I was working as a youth pastor. That was our, our beginning of ministry, some of our training ground. And, uh, and, but then also God supplied this way. Now, my wife was taking 18 hours. I was taking 12 to 15 hours. I, we were the youth pastors. I had a security alarm business. And we had a, uh, about a three-year, four-year-old kid without any family there to, to, to babysit and take him. And so it was, a, it, needless to say, a challenging time. Uh, but we, we managed and navigated that period of time. But one of the things that I had was that in that security alarm business was the opportunity to go into these huge houses. And, you know, anymore it's normal for people to build houses probably a lot that big. But in the, in the early 90s, it was not as, as prevalent. And, and we'd, we'd go, and I remember going into these like 6,000 square foot homes. And just thinking, good grief, you know, how, you have 14 kids or, or you know, why, why we need all this space? And so anyway, uh, not getting off on all of that, but the size of those homes was, was big. And, and I remember just thinking, wow, it would be nice to have that. And then I remember uh, one of the times, I've used the example before, one of the times whenever we gained a, a five-bedroom uh three-bath house that when we had our four kids all still at home, and we thought, man, this is awesome. We love this house. And then after we had it a while, we realized, you know what, this is just a house. And without all the other things in life that, we, that, that made our life full and made us wealthy, those, the things didn't provide what we wanted like the life of God. I wouldn't have traded the other things that made us wealthy for that. So, so understanding wealth, it's not about money. It's not about, that's not our, our, our goal. But life to the full and the blessing that God brings as a result of walking with God. You know, you can have a full life without having all those things and, and, uh, and be very well blessed. And you can also have all those things and not have the life that God intends for you and miss it. One of the things, and, and I'll just real quickly run through these, uh, these things that we've covered in the weeks before, was first of all was spiritual wealth because if we're not rich towards God, uh, everything else is going to fall away. Our number one place of wealth is spiritual wealth in walking out and receiving what God has provided for us in relationship with Him. I mean, when you think about it, what is the, mo what is the most valuable, most important thing that, that, that we gain and that God desires? He sent His Son to come to live in this earth, to demonstrate His will, but to provide what? Eternal life. But in, in relationship with God, he came, he, he sent his son to, to reestablish or open the door and provide for us to have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. And then when Jesus left, what did he do? He turned around. He, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the comforter, to live and dwell on the inside of you, to, can, to be with you always and to be there with you. And so walking in the, the understanding of, first of all, that we can be saved, that we can be the child of God, that we can be forgiven and be restored and have access to come boldly to the throne of God to obtain mercy and help in time of need. That's a, that's a spiritual wealth that sets us up for success. Then, then to have access to the Helper, the Holy Spirit, to give us wisdom, to give us understanding, to give us insight, to seize opportunities and see what to do, to have that little voice, that little thought that says, go ahead and stop and help this person. Go ahead and turn your radio up. You know, it's funny, uh, Whitney texted me when she saw the cattle out at the sale barn. I was two and a half miles south of there. At the, we had a cowboy church, had a, had a cookout down there at, the, at Camp Clearview, and she called me and said, you might need to come help Dakota. And I'm like, he's got it. 
I, I'm taking care of my stuff here. I, I still had stuff I was taking care of. You know, I, I, I didn't even give you a thought because I knew you, you, had, you had it handled. For one thing, I understood that probably they were contained in there, and those little calves that had been out so many times, I knew that they would go back in real easy. He's got a, a set of calves. Somebody, did somebody leave a gate open this time? Okay, all right. A lot of times there's, there's four or five, three or four of them that they, they find a hole in the fence, and all you got to do is crack the gate open and go around them, and they run right back in. And so I said, eh, he can handle that. But, you know, it was funny uh, uh, how the, well, the second thing, and I'll just move on, the second thing was soul, soul wealth, our, our mind, will, and emotions. See, when we understand that we're a three-part being, we, have a, we are a spirit. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. If we think about that and realize that, God wants us wealthy in every aspect of our life. If, if, our, if we're born again and yet we're tormented in our mind and we can't think right, you know, one of the, one of the benefits that comes with uh, a relationship with God is an ability to see situations but see them from a different perspective. When we begin to connect with God and walk in, in, a, in a, our, our mind being sound, being able to make right choices and, and decisions, being able to, to see and anticipate situations and circumstances, you know, having the inside, not, not everybody would have, would have uh, given that woman, put her in the lead vehicle. In fact, if you'd have asked me whether or not you ought to have done that, my natural wisdom would have said, uh-uh. First of all, you're, dry, you're, you're expecting her to not get nervous out there and stop in the middle, of, and you're in a powerless vehicle. You're totally in the hands of this person that you have no idea. That was not smart. <laughs> I, 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 as, as, as a father figure to you and you being the age of my kids, I'm saying that was not smart, right? But a good idea and a God idea are two different things. See, that was led by the Holy Spirit. If he reanalyzed that, he probably realizes that was not, you do realize that was not smart. <laughs> right, okay. I, I mean, that, that, was, that was not smart. I've been there behind, I've been that person when I'm being left out to dry here. It's like, a go, you know, who, being, being towed or being pulled. And, 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 and so, but, but here's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, honk. <laughs> yeah. But, but here's the thing. You also have to grow to the point that you are willing to follow. Your mind won't hold you back and say, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. Because how many times are we held back from doing what God's... God's not always practical in our, in our line of thinking. God will tell you to do things. He told me to leave everything that was secure Every dream I ever had, every goal, every he said, go, follow me. I felt like Abraham. And I'm talking about way back there in, in 1993 when we left the ranch. To go, and my wife was willing to go with me. I mean, I think about that all the different times that, that, we, that, that, that we stepped out because we were sound in mind, able to make decisions because our spiritual wealth was in place. It affected our mind, our will, and our emotions. We were wealthy where our soul was concerned because, first of all, we'd set our will. We said, God, I'm not going. If you don't go, 
And I'm not, I'm going where you say go, I'm going to follow you. Just like the children of Israel, when they came out of the promised land, they followed the pillar of fire at night and a pillar of uh, the cloud by day. And if it didn't move, they didn't move. And when it moved, they made sure they did. When we set ourselves into that place and we walk in wealth where our soul is concerned, and our will is concerned, and all of those things, all those things become and, and begin to fall into place, you know, one of the things that having our, our intellect and our mental health in place, it, it, it will keep us balanced where we're not locked up by fear and anxiety. Why? Because we're connected to the creator of the universe. It, it, will, it will give us the ability to recognize where the problem's coming from. It, it'll give you insight in, in relationships and all these other things. Uh, the, the other thing that I want to move on to is, is physical wealth, our physical bodies. God desires for us to have health where our physical body is concerned. Give us wisdom on what to do. Wednesday night I was riding my, my, my three-year-old colt. It's last Wednesday night, and you know I was, I, I'm pushing him. I, I brought him up. I was roping, roping a, a track and a calf. I really wasn't planning necessarily to rope, but we were, we were simulating everything. I'm tracking this calf across, and I've been tracking this calf. He's trotting around. Well, he this calf decides to to run, and so I kicked my horse up, this colt up, and for some reason he stumbled and fell, and he, when he fell, he threw me into the ground. And he threw me into the ground hard enough, and I'm there by myself. Sue's gone. She's in Denver. Kelsey or Kenzie had already gone back to Alvis. I mean, you know, there was, there was, uh, there was several, re or, well, she was on her way back. Anyway, nobody was there. Now, that's not an ideal situation. Uh, our, our daughter, of course, I went in the family text. I sent him a picture of me because I've got a great picture. I'm covered in dirt. I've got a white line where my cowboy hat had blocked the dirt when I hit and I was in the arena, hit in that, that dust, and I'm, I'm just covered in dirt. I, when I got up, I, I, there's dirt just ran. I could feel the sand running out of my ear. Well, I mean, I, I was hurt pretty bad, and I, I generally, I just jump right up and would have cracked in, and the horse walks over to me. He's looking down like, what are, what are we doing? What's the, what's the deal? Or what, what happened? Or I mean, and I was looking up at him going, yeah, what happened? And so wisdom said, you know, toughness, cowboys say, okay, well, you know, it'll be all right. And if Sue had been home, I probably would have said, yeah, it's all right. But so anyway, I'm starting trying to figure out, okay, so what do I do? First thing I was trying to figure out do is can I unsaddle my horse or not? Because I'm really hurting on this left side. Because he when he when he rolled, when he saying he slammed me into the ground. Well, anyway, long story short, I I called uh, a guy that I knew was gonna be driving by my house about that time who understood new horses a friend of mine, and he didn't answer for like 20 minutes. And so in the process of time, I got up, got my horse, let him, to, got, opened the gate, turned the calves all out, and went and I thought, well, I'll see if I can unsaddle my horse. So I got everything undone and see if I can handle my saddle. I knew I could unsaddle him. I just didn't know if I could put it on the rack. So I got it up on the rack. Everything worked out okay. And I'm thinking, eh, I'll be all right. I, I, I'll, I'll, I hadn't called anybody else at that point. Then later on, I got to thinking, okay, Wisdom had kicked in, so I went to Expresswell and got x-rays and didn't have anything broken. Just, I'm still really sore. I, I forget about it until I sneeze or cough or something like that. It's like, oh, yes. Chest contusions, I think is what they called it, Doc. So I know you're, you're, you're sitting here wondering. I, I know. Yeah. I, I did. I did go by the by. My wife. She made me. Uh, she said, "Okay, if you're, I'm not home. You're going to have to go." And I stayed at mom's house so that she could check on me, make sure I didn't have concussion issues or whatever. But uh, anyway, 
So wisdom said at least get checked out. Now the doctor said stay home, rest, all of that stuff. So what I did is I didn't ride at the sale the next day on my horse. I just ran the gate. And uh, so I worked all day, uh, you know, it was a long sale, big sale, didn't want to leave them short. Wisdom said what to do. Now, as a result, we, everything was okay in that situation. Now, we got to have physical wealth. God desires that we have physical wealth. So as I put my body through those things, I at least went and had it checked to make sure that I wasn't making something worse by continuing on. I think having the, the wisdom where our body is concerned, we can ask ourselves, what is, God, what do I need in order to be healthy? What do I need where medication, doctor care, change in diet, exercise, all of these things? And then we ask ourselves, okay, God, how do I produce the best for my life in that? And so uh, th those were the three things, spiritual wealth, soul wealth, and physical wealth. Now last week, and I don't want to spend much time on this, but last week we talked about relation, relation and social wealth. The, w the wealth of relationships and, and the, the godly, true godly wealth in having the right connections, the right relationships. You know, where uh, we, we talked about a lot of it where marriage is concerned, but I also want to talk about it where just in friendships are concerned. How powerful it is who you associate with, who you connect with. That's one of the values of, of finding a church and getting, getting a part of a, a group of people. I mean, I've, I've challenged my, my uh, kids always, man, find a good friend. We taught them that, right? We, that's the thing you start from when, you're, when they're young. You, can, you try to control that. You try to put them with good kids. You try to develop friendships that are going to be good. And then as they grow, you encourage that, and you hope they make that choice. But here, let, me, let me ask you something. As an adult, do you still follow your own advice making good choices in who you hang around and your friends? Because those relationships will be will be important, and they, they can begin to uh, they can affect a lot of things. We talked about that in a lot a lot more detail, but but I'll just leave that at that. The other thing is where where marriage is concerned, and I, I went into I went into uh, 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 quite a bit last week, and you know, and, and I talked about the old the, the old negative the, the the terrible word that everybody shuns and no wants to be no part of, and that is submit. Oh man, I tell you what, I do weddings all the time, and, and, and the, the, one of the words in that, they want to take out the submit part. And, and I understand why, because it's been abused. But it says, wives, submit to your husbands. But it says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He gave himself for it. And so it's a, it's a mutual submission, and we talk quite a bit about that. I don't want to get into that too much. But I always love an opportunity, any opportunity for, to challenge married couples to seize the opportunity to see how much you can do for your, for your one that you're married, for, married to. You know, I have fun with my wife. She's, she is, I'm, I'm very blessed with a wonderful wife that I had to learn to, un, to value, understand, by understanding her. I always valued her, but, you know, at times there were things that just really irritated me. This thing, like, you know, she had to keep everything neat. Keep everything clean and neat, everything in order. I sent her a video. She's not been there for a week. And so I showed her the kitchen center island. It's cluttered with all kinds of stuff. I've got mail on there. I've got, you know, some, some I, I, I just sent her, I said, and, and the chairs at the table were not pushed under. They were out. 
Now, she's not as OCD as I'm teasing her. She's watching, I'm sure, and I love you, honey. Uh, but <laughs> she, as, as I make her out to be, she's not as OCD. I'm, I'm just very thankful that, that she was that away, but I had to learn to be. But, you know, I sent her that video, and I said, is this bothering you? <laughs> I thought it was so funny. But, you know, uh, I will have it cleaned up before you get home, honey. I, I, I will do that. Yes, I, I, yes, I'm, I'm going to have to plan. But, you know, you know, here's the thing. It's not that difficult for me to help her with those things. I don't leave my shoes strung out everywhere. Yeah, she'll pick them up, but I don't have to do that. I don't leave stuff laying around. I try to do my part to make her life easy. These are things that she values, things she loves. So that's part of that demonstration. And wives, be, recognize what, your, what your need, the needs of your husband are. If, if he needs his ego pumped, don't get aggravated because you need to pump up his ego a little bit. Brag on him a little bit. Talk about some of the things that, that you're thankful for. There's all those different ways that we respect and love and demonstrate uh, to one another. It, it, and I've told you the stories on us uh, a lot, and I won't get into it right now. But, you know, relational wealth is one of the things that God wants for us. And so you can ask yourself if you're married, what do I need to do to make that stronger? If you're single and you want to be married, you can ask yourself, God, what do, how do I need to be prepared for the one you have for me? I've never taught that. I've never said those words right there in a sermon before. I've said them to individuals. But, but you know, we have those that are single. We have those that are single that will be watching. We, we have the, you know, let, let me, we can just ask ourselves, you know, I, I guess I use that example because one guy that follows us on, on social media and, and watches all the time, I, who I've only met one time, but I've talked to through Messenger, he was messaging me. He said, man, I want God to bring me that one. I want, I want I'm ready. I want to be married. He's, you know, in, I don't know how, 30, 40, something like that. And I, he says, I don't know why God doesn't answer my prayer. And I said, well, there's one thing that I know is that you, we can, God is just as concerned for that one that he has for you as he is for your needs. Maybe there's things that you still need work on. So just work on you. Let God show you how you can be. Because see, whether you're married or not, the one I can control the most or should be able to is me. I remember that time praying, God change her, God change her, God change her. And then God's saying, what about you, big boy? And I began to change work on me, and then everything began to change. That goes where friendships are concerned as well. You know, sometimes we got to be friendly or ask ourselves, okay, God, what do I do that drives people? If you, if you lose friends or things like that, what, what am I doing to drive things away? What am I doing to, to what, what God do you need to do for relational wealth to be mine? How can I be uh, what I need to be for others? And see, that's that whole kingdom mindset that we begin to think about, God, what can I do for somebody else? It's not all about me. Right? And so, uh, man, I'm telling you what, just that whole attitude and mindset will change everything about your life because God will, has, has equipped you and given you opportunity to be a blessing to somebody. Wealth is in part the ability to be, not only walk in the blessing that God has for you, to, but, but to be a blessing to others. 
You know, we've all got examples of times where we've had opportunity to do something like what Dakota's talking about. Or, or may, and, may, and if you haven't, you got to ask yourself, okay, well, God, why aren't you using me? And then just say, God, begin to use me and show me how I can be that person who's, who's, uh, who's able to be used. Well, listen, uh, as, we, as we continue on here, I, w- I want to get to uh, another type of... I'm going I'm to just mention these two because I, I really want to... I may come back to them at, a, at another time, but another type of wealth is this, is that uh, the ability to influence. You know, uh, John Maxwell's definition of, of, of leadership is, is influence. Our ability to influence others is, is a powerful wealth that God has for us. And if we could begin to influence, think about this. When you walk in, when you come into a room, you have an, an, an opportunity to either add to or take away from the atmosphere of that room. If you can come in and you can influence that room to, into a positive direction, how powerful that'll be. You ever? Some of you may be in a in a work setting where where you, you're around other employees, and if you have a break time or maybe a, a time where you're together and there's just a casual discussion or conversation, it, does it ever go to a negative place? Does it ever? You know, as as those those of you who have been employees, you 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 know that there a lot of times there can be those certain employees that always find fault with everything the boss is doing. And the bigger the organization is, the bigger the opportunity to gripe and complain about what's going on. And, and I always de- describe it like this. is It's kind of like pastoring a church. A lot of times, if you're involved in children's ministry, everything you see, man, we need to do this, 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 and everything's about the, the sliver of pie, which is children's ministry. And, and if you're in the other areas, well, more even, even on a bigger scale, what about work where, you know, there's times whenever I've worked places where, where I was in sales and, and boy, everything I saw, saw, and, and, and saw a need in and every fail, failure correction, it was all about sales. I really didn't care what this other division and every other part was. But, but see, I could either be a part of the, the, the problem or part of the solution. I could either bring a positive thing in there or, or a negative thing into that conversation, you know, I always always say our word, our words are are are. We're, we're walking into every one of those situations with a can of gasoline and a can of water. You can either. There's times when throwing a little fire, adding to the fire is a good thing, if it's going in a good direction. But a lot of times, if it's going in a bad direction, can we douse that a little bit and change that? So our our ability to influence is a, is a big thing. There's a lot of other ways that we, we can influence. You know, sometimes uh, you don't have to have, always said, I've always said about my wife, Sue, I've always said she has a quiet influence. I want her to teach and share a lot more than, than she, well, she won't, other than on an individual basis. But we're, we're going to change that, aren't we, honey? Uh, I'm assuming she's still watching, but we're, we're going to do we're going to do some couples things where we're going to talk together about marriage, about about raising your kids, about different things, how to walk that out, and that's gonna that's gonna come and that's gonna happen. But see, the influence I've always said her her influence was a quiet influence. There, there's always people that that uh, gravitate towards her and that she influences just by how they see her live life and the effect of her life. And so the influence, our, our, our wealth of influence is another thing that's, that's real powerful. Do we influence those around us? Do we affect them in a positive way? 
And, uh, and then community wealth is uh, our ability to help others that God puts in our lives to achieve success. And I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this topic, even though, because it could be a whole sermon in, a, in and of itself, but how are we able to bring, help others succeed by our life? When we walk in community wealth or the wealth that God provides us, He gives us an ability to help others achieve their, their goals be it through uh, words of encouragement. Sometimes all people need is somebody to believe in them. Sometimes you don't have to, to do a whole lot there, but you're just that one person that will cheer them on and, and, and not maybe criticize them. You know, there's a lot of people that have great ideas that will do things in ways that, that uh, but yet... And, and, and we'll go out, would go out and do things if they just had somebody that'd say, that'd say yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. And you know, have you, ever, have you ever had somebody come up with an idea or plan and they start to do something and it's not the way you'd do it, but yet you're not doing it and you offer your advice? Sometimes that's what, what is that called? Uh, unsolicited advice. And you know, we're probably... Those of us who, uh, you know, are in a position to talk, you know, I, I can give you advice on a lot of different things. But there's certain things that a lot of times, you know, I, I, just, I just like to just turn it loose. And then, you know, you might give some kind of advice, some kind of help there. But sometimes all we need to do is just help them with a little bit of encouragement, release them to do it. Other times it may be that you jump in there with them. Sometimes... If, if we who have the ability to do it would just be willing to, 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 to use the blessing, the wealth, the blessing that God's given us to help somebody else achieve what they need to achieve, make that that kingdom mindset. I want to see somebody else get good at what they're gifted to do if we could just come alongside them. You know, it doesn't always have to be a big long-term commitment. It doesn't always have to be a lot of money. It doesn't always have to be a lot of your time, just some of your time or whatever. You know, at, at your funeral, they're, they're going to talk more, less about your money or the things you bought, and they're going to celebrate the wealth uh, that you brought into their lives. They're going to talk about how they helped you, the things that are going to last where people are concerned. And, and so as we get ready, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a whole lot of time left, but I, I do want to get to uh, one more thing. And I, and I want to talk just quickly about three different types of people. You know, there's, there's three different types of people that uh, I've got on here somewhere. Here we go. Uh, three different types of people in, in, in kind of this idea of what we've been teaching on. And there's poor people. There's rich people, and there's wealthy people. You know, when we think about people that are poor, uh, just like money and things don't make you necessarily wealthy, not having things doesn't necessarily make you poor. You know, you think about that. I, I think about some of the times whenever Sue and I were the most wealthy, our family was the most wealthy I, I think about we lived in Garber in this little wood frame house that we, we gave $50,000 for. It was a, a three-bedroom, two-bath that I made into a five-bedroom, two-bath. 
because we took the we took the the upstairs uh, and that was an attic space that was unfinished. It had stairs going up to it, but it was unfinished. And as soon as I walked in that home at, at that time in our life, uh, I, I knew that was a major blessing. And I could have looked at it and said, yeah, you know, golly, we left a. And it was funny. It was the house we left was the biggest house we'd ever owned. We bought it on a flip, and we remodeled the whole entire thing, but it was five-bedroom, three-bath, and it wasn't the one I was talking about in Jet. It was the one in Stillwater. We left that home, and, and we went into this other home. My kids never talk about the Stillwater home that was huge. They, they never talk about that one that, that, that everybody had their own bedroom, and everybody had their own stuff, and nobody had to share anything. and all that. They don't, they don't talk about that one. They always talk about... The one that was in Garber that was a $50,000 home that we, we did improve it and remodel it and, and ended up making money on it and all that stuff for, for the period of time. But they talk about that home because we were rich, not because of what we had. We were rich. We were wealthy because of what God was doing and how our family was. Those are the things. So poor things are not, don't always equate to wealth. So I challenge you with that. But what do, what do poor people do is they spend all their time thinking about money. They spend all their time thinking about what they don't have or how they're going to get money. And so their whole life is pursuing money. You say, well, I thought we needed money. And listen, look, one thing that I, I don't preach and teach is that having money is a problem. It's not if we don't let it be the thing that we rule, because here's the difference in, in, well, think about poor people who have never had the right mindset about money. Think about this. Think about lottery winners. How many lottery winners, and I, I, I've heard the statistics before. I didn't have them in front of me. I don't remember, but you've probably heard this before, that most lottery winners within uh, less than five years are right back where they were, right, right, right back where they started, because nothing changed in their mind in their way that they live their life. They were in pursuit of money, and they took their money, and they bought all the things that they, that they never had, and they thought that was going to make them ha happy, and they thought that was going to produce something and provide something, and they end up with, with less than, really, than what they had because now they have remorse for having all that opportunity and not, not, uh, not achieved anything from it. Rich people, on the other hand, they spend all their time talking, thinking about money so that they can gain things. And, and you know, again, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, not money. Okay, so it's the love of it, and that's what rich people will, will spend all this time trying to build wealth and try to gain all this money and gain all these things, and then what happens? Our whole, our, our identity, our people's identity, begins to be associated with the things that they have, and then they'll, they'll a lot of times get caught up worrying and f having a fear of maintaining this identity or ma and maintaining this status and maintaining these things. You know, uh, that's one of the reasons I, I told my kids whenever I said, you know what? Uh, I remember our oldest one, boy, she does not like her. One of her, one of her best friends, a couple of, couple of the people she knew got, got new cars for, for their first car. And, and Kelsey, this was in 2007 maybe, and six or seven, somewhere in there, and she got a 1996 Chevy pickup. Now, she was not really big on pickups, and she was, sure enough wasn't. But you know what? I intentionally bought her one that did not have power windows and power locks. 
because I wanted her to experience having to lean over and roll down a window. I wanted her to experience that because I think she needed it, but maybe more than the other kids. But I'm going to tell you what, uh, ha having that uh, that away, she learned the value of having nice things. And now she's a lawyer in New York City and makes you know probably three or four times what I make. It, it, the, all of that doesn't matter. But see, the things and the value of life, we need, to, we need to balance those things. Rich people begin, they get a status, they get appearance, they get houses, and then what do they do? They lose the enjoyment sometimes, can enjoy, lose the enjoyment of those things because they're worried about either losing them or somebody taking them, and it all becomes about money. But wealthy people think different. And it's all about the way we think. You know, why do poor people... that? all of a sudden get money, lose it, because they think still in a, in a poor way. Why do rich people not able to walk in the fullness of wealth in it is because they don't, don't become kingdom-minded. And that's one of the things that wealthy people do is they begin to think different. But one of the things as I began to study this that came out was, was, was a tremendous change in how I perceived this. And, or at least in a way I communicated, and it was that wealthy people live by ideas. You know, think about this. When, when uh, what produces wealth in uh, that lasts is ideas, the right thoughts, the right ideas. And if you think about it, this is the way uh, God works. What we need to be wealthy and stay wealthy is ideas, and I'm talking about the right ideas. Not just good ideas, but God ideas. I'm reading that book, uh, Lead Like It Matters by Greg Rochelle, and one of the things he talks about was in college when he got saved, he, he received a Gideon Bible. That's how he got saved. You know, the little green, the little green freebie uh, New Testament Bible was given to him as he walked across the college campus. God spoke to him through that Bible. He read, he read about Jesus. He received Jesus and, and began a ministry. He started a ministry with a couple of his buddies that he also said, man, you got to read this stuff, and they got saved. And there were three or four of them that got saved. Then, then their, their little group began to grow, and, they, and all they did was talk about Jesus. They preached Jesus. They talked about They didn't really preach. They talked about Jesus, and this group grew. They started doing a Bible study. It was all about the Word, nothing else, simply the Word. They didn't sing songs. They, didn't, they, didn't, uh, they weren't organized. They just got together, and it just began to grow, and God blessed it. It was a God idea. It was a God thing. Then one day he said, he said that somebody in the group said, you know what, we need to get to a name. We need to get organized. Let's, let's have a vision uh, retreat and let's go away and let's just, um, let's just plan and organize. So what they did, they took six or eight of them that had started it and they got together and everybody had an idea. And everybody said, well, you know, we need to get names, we need to get T-shirts, we need to get organized, we need to have this. This structure, we ought to get a 501c3, we ought to get, I don't remember all the things he said. There were all these good ideas. He said they came back and began to implement all those good ideas and it killed it because it was no longer God ideas. See, the thing is, God has the perfect idea, the perfect understanding that shows you in your world, in your unique situation, what needs to change. If we can live by idea, we're not, we're, we're, th that will produce the life that we desire through money, relationships, uh, our, our mind. He has the, the perfect way for you to fix your problems. 
See, I had an idea. I always relate back to that, that time of our, of our marriage. I had an idea of how to fix our marriage. It was change Sue's attitude. That was my idea. God's idea was me to focus on me and change what was in me. And what God, when God began to change me and, and he began to set my mind different, my mouth different, my attitude different, it totally transformed her. Or at least it released her to become or, or be in that place of willingness where our finances are concerned. I thought, well, we just got to make more money. We got to make more money. We got to pursue. Got to make more money. God's idea is entirely different. God says, put me first. Tithe and give. Trust me. Allow me to lead. Allow me to set your, your, your you know, kind of where, where your identity is. And then watch everything else begin to tra be tra transformed and change. The ideas become different. Look at, we've got to close here, but look at John chapter 1. I still didn't get through all this, but I, I, I may come back and we may make a part 6. It's one of the wonderful things about pastoring a church. You're, you have opportunities to just extend something and come back. John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was God, was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things that were made, or, or made were made. And without Him nothing was made that, was, that has been made. Now it's NIV translation, a little, little different, pretty much the same as the way the King James reads it. But listen, in, in, notice there's something to notice here. Three times he uses the word word in verse 1. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he puts the focus on the Word, and then in the second verse he says, He was with God in the beginning. So he automatically puts, a, puts the He on the Word, and so he's, John is transferring or, or, or indicating and, and explaining who the Word was. It was Jesus. It was the Son of God, right? And is the Son of God. Okay, so he's, he's identifying that. And he says in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and, and dwelt among us. So we know exactly who he's talking about. But I want you to go back to verse 1, and I want you to begin to think about something. Is in verse 1, that word, word, is logos in the Greek. So the Greek was what the, the Bible was written in. It was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament written in Greek. So when they translated it, they put an English word, that represented that, uh, that Logos. And so that Logos, that word, word, it, what this means, and, and, and I began to, it's the whole of Scripture, but it is an expressed idea. And this is where this idea thing comes in, and this is where I want to leave you with, with the thoughts, is ideas. Think about an expressed idea. God has created everything through the word, and, and what that means in the Greek is an expressed idea. He gives us the ability to, to or he, give, he created everything through that idea, expressed through Jesus. The whole worlds were framed through he had the idea, he had the understanding, it came, it, it, and, it, and he spoke it, and it came into existence. He knew exactly what he was speaking. He had that idea. He expressed it through his words. Where God is concerned, he has the word, he has the ideas. He has the answers, in other words, to everything we have need of. So if I want to walk in true 
godly wealth. I want God's idea on my situation even more than my idea. I'm big on reading books. I'm big on studying and getting education. I'm, I, I love to, to gain all that. But in the end, I want to ask God to say, okay, God, how does, how does your wisdom, what does your wisdom say about my situation and how I apply it? That's what the, that, that comes down to. We ought to ask ourselves, God, what's, what's God ideas for my track that I'm on, my future, my situation, my circumstance, and what's your ideas? I was going to use the example of Joseph. Joseph got God's idea, God's plan, and it preserved a whole nation. It looked like it wasn't necessary, but God said something different. You know, in your, in your life, in your situation, can you ask God, say, God, give me your, your word on the situation. Help me have the same idea that you have so that I do God's, your ideas, not mine, not just good ones. Amen? All right, let's stand. And let's, let's ask God just to direct us. Now, I threw out, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of different points there. Different ones came into, maybe into your mind early on in the sermon. Different ones may have been speaking to you. Take that before God and say, God, give me your word, your idea, your direction into those things. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today, and we just thank you and we praise you that, that Lord, that you know each one of our specific areas of life and, and where we're walking in true godly wealth and where we're lacking. Lord, I thank you and I praise you that, that because of Jesus, because of what he did for us, that when we simply ask and invite Jesus into our heart, into our life, and we confess Him as Lord, we can receive eternal life. We can receive salvation and forgiveness. But, Father, we have to walk in the fullness of that to enjoy all that you've provided for us. So, Lord, if we're lacking in one of these other areas, if our relationships are in, in shambles or, or if, if there's er other areas that we're, we're lacking, in, and, Lord, I pray that you just help us to, to have insight into those things through godly wisdom, through the, through the Word of God and the direction that you'd have for us. And Lord, I just ask that to, to, be, to be available to each and every one here today. Father, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice that has not made Jesus Christ Lord of their life, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would draw them, that they would come to that place where they surrender to you. And they say, okay, God, I give you my heart. I give you my life. And if they make that decision, that choice, that they'll contact us and enable us to help them along that walk and along that way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You know, as we